Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I, as always, am excited to be here today. I have a great guest for you. Her name is Miranda Anderson, and Miranda is a maker, an adventurer, and a creative mama. She's also the owner of Live Free Creative Blog and Weekly Blog Podcast. She shares ideas and inspiration to live a simple, creative, adventurous, intentional lifestyle. And in 2019, she released her first book, More Than Enough, that shares how her family cultivated a more abundant life through practical minimalism. Her sweet husband and three wild kiddos fill up her life with joy and continue to teach her about setting goals, making priorities, and believing that small moments and successes mean just as much as big ones. So thank you so much, Miranda, for being here today. I am excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. This is so great. So I have to share that I first heard, I don't know where I've been like living under a rock because I had not, I heard your name, but I had not been familiar with your podcast or anything that you had done. Until I heard you with the two Beckys on the Cultivate a Good Life podcast. And I heard that episode. They are. They're so amazing. I know both of them. They are so great. And I was like, how come I don't know this girl? (laughs) (laughs) And so from that day, the day that I heard that, I have like binged your podcast. I have been reading your book. I'm almost done with it. And I have actually made changes in my life because of you. And I'm so, so glad. I'm so grateful. I really am. I love the perspectives that you share on your podcast and the intentionality, the, the way that you live your life. And I'm so excited to be able to share you. Maybe there's some people that listen to my cast, podcast that haven't heard of you too. Probably everyone I'm has. I'm sure but. that they are. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you... <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. I don't think that I'm like... I'm sure that there are lots and lots and lots of people who don't know who I am. Well, so good. I'm, I'm glad that I can <laughs> introduce them to you. So, but just start off, tell us a little bit more about your family. So, um, my family and I live in Richmond, Virginia. We've bounced around a lot over the last 13 years we've lived in, I think we've moved nine or 10 times. Um, but right now we're in Richmond. Um, my husband, Dave is a, is an attorney and I have three kids, a 10 year old, eight year old, and a five year old two boys and a girl. Um, we have a dog, we have chickens. We, a a few years ago when we moved to Richmond, we downsized and started renovating this really sweet little fixer upper right in the city of Richmond. And, um, so we have touched almost every inch inside and out of our house. Um, I have worked as a, as a creative entrepreneur, multifaceted, you know, kind of do a little bit of everything entrepreneur for the last several years and really find joy in helping other women, especially women, discover how they can live the life that they really dream of, that it's attainable, that they can do it now, that there's nothing to wait for, and that with uh, some creativity and curiosity, that we can enjoy every moment, not just the big ones. I think that is so great. And I love, I just love your positivity. And like I said, the perspectives that you have. So was this just something that you were born with or is this something that you've had to cultivate and figure out as you've gone on? Like how, what does that process look like to get to where you are today? Cause I'm sure you solve problems and we all have issues that come up in our life, but it really sounds like you are living the life that you want to live and that, that you've dreamed of. Yeah. You know, it's a funny thing because 
I think that that idea, like the life that you want to live and, and, and what that looks like is so much a matter of mindset and perspective. And so, I mean, I, I think in fact, my book talks a lot about this and that experiment that we did of kind of, da- of uh, eliminating things that were unnecessary from our life in order to discover what really mattered informed us that living, that recognizing what we have as what we want is the way to actually live in gratitude and regular gratitude that we, we normally, I mean, the messaging that we get is that we always need to be doing something more or that we need to buy something more or that we need to, that we're lacking. Like most every message that we get is that we're lacking in some way, something, some time, some finances, some resource, some relationships, and, and that there's something else that we need in order to feel the way we want to feel or be as happy as we want to be. And I have begun to discover and continue to learn, this is a a lifelong process and will continue to shift and change as, as time goes on, I'm sure, is that all that it really takes is me deciding that I want what I already have in order to feel like I, I've made it, that I'm not always looking forward to the next big thing, but that I'm recognizing that yesterday I was looking forward to the thing that happened today. And if I just continue with that forward, always forward focus, and I never allow myself to sit in the like contentment and peace of the present moment, that I might get to the end of my life and not ever have actually made it. Despite all of the many things that we do and the projects that we have and the businesses that we form and the relationships we have, if we're always looking onto the next thing, then when do we get the chance to just say, this is it, I've made it. And so I've decided to flip that. And I've decided that today is the day that I want. The things that I have right now are the things that I want. And I can point myself in the direction of where I... I quote unquote, want to go or, or what my future will look like. I definitely am working on goals and things all the time, but not from a place of feeling like when I get there, then things will be better. Recognizing that right now things are, are wonderful and I'm moving forward in progression because I want to, not because it will mean anything different about my worth or about my success or about my happiness very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, I love that. And and if people aren't familiar with you, they should know that you you kind of had a pivotal moment where you decided our family's going to go a whole year. This was in 2017 or 18? The beginning of 2017. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys kind of drew a line in the sand and said we're going to do something different and we're not going to buy anything for a whole year. Like when I first heard that I'm like how in the world did you do that? So tell me about what led up to that. What made you want to make that shift in your life? Yeah, so we I think that looking back, my first big sort of I guess aha moment that started me on this pathway of even thinking that things could be different than the way that they were or the way I expected they would always be was in 2013 I was at a conference and I heard someone say they I heard someone say that you can do more of what you like and less of what you don't like. And I had to sit with that because it seems so simple and obvious. And I was like, you can do more of what you like, like in your life generally, and less of the things you don't like. And I, I realized, and I, I don't know, sometimes you just have to hear it from the right person at the right time, right? For something mm-hmm. to like sit with you well. I recognized that what I was doing in my life right then was not choosing the things that I liked the most. I was choosing the things that I thought I should do. I was choosing hobbies and style and, you know, decor and hobbies and all of these things that like I was building a life around someone else's idea of what 
life should be rather than actually like sitting with myself and getting to know myself and figuring out what is it that I want. And I came home from that conference and I had been working on a bunch of different things and projects. And, and I came home and I said, hun, I want to have another baby. (laughs) That was what it (laughs) felt like I wanted right then. And he was like wide eyed and he, this would have been my third. It was my third. And he said, I don't think that we have the capacity bandwidth, like with all of the things you're doing, raising two kids. I, I was working full time. I also had many, many hobbies and side projects and you know, friendships and all of these things that I was doing. He said, I don't know, like how, how is that going to work? And I said, because I'm going to stop doing a bunch of other things. And this is kind of the first time that I remember in my adult life thinking, I am in control of my life. I'm the one who chooses what I do and what I don't do. And I don't, there are lots of things that I'm doing just because I've always done them. And that doesn't mean that I have to continue. And so that kind of set me, set me up for success in understanding that elimination of things that weren't right for me was just as important or even maybe more important than the, the, engaged pursuit of things that I wanted. And elimination became something that I became very good at. Choosing to simplify, choosing to say no more often, choosing to slow down um, in order to serve a greater purpose, which is to have more time, energy, and resources for the things that I really did want. So when this idea hit to not shop, for a year. Um, it was not the first time I had ever thought about reducing or about minimalism or about simplifying. It was kind of the next logical step. I mean, it's not that logical of a step, (laughs) (laughs) but, but what, where I found myself was, so just to set the scene briefly, I'll try to be, we had had our kids. We had lived in a bunch of different places, mostly in small apartments in big cities. And we thought like the big dream was to live in a big house on a big lot and, and be, you know, like we would have made it, that would be life. And so we, we did that. We moved from the city into a suburb. We lived in on a, you know, we built a big house with a builder and designed it. It was beautiful and it was featured online. And you know, it was like this, it was the dream, right? We were living the dream. And I recognized that even though I had kind of hit this dream. I was living the life that was supposed to be the thing that made me feel good for the rest of my life. It was like, that was happiness. I was still subtly discontent. There were still things that I wanted. I was still looking outward for my happiness and success. And I was trying to fill myself up with things that ended up not actually filling me up. And so the actual moment I'm going through some cabinets and recognizing that we, there's just like stuff falling out of the cabinets. I'm sure all of us have a place, at least uh-huh. one or two cabinets or closets that are like this. I was organizing thinking, how did I get to the point where I have all this junk? Like, what is all of this stuff? At one point or another, I wanted this thing enough to buy it and bring it home, but it's been sitting in this cabinet. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I'm trying to just get rid of it. Now it's just more of a hassle. And I thought, how can I have gotten to this place where I'm continually wanting more at the same time that I am overwhelmed by all of the random stuff that I have? And I thought there's something wrong with this picture. If I already have everything, like, you know, my closets are full, my house is full, my cabinets are full. Why am I wanting more? And I thought, I don't think we need any more. And I did a quick inventory and I was like, yeah, we've got clothes, we've got shoes, we've got bikes, we've got everything that I could possibly imagine needing for the foreseeable future. And because it was the beginning of January, I think that's where the year came in because it was naturally a time frame of like making resolutions and doing things for the year. And so I, I said, "Hun, what do you think if we just don't buy things this year? 
<laughs> like anything. And my husband, of course, was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, let's not buy anything. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, right? I know. He's like, sure, sign me up. And because I had just done this like quick mental walkthrough, I mean, if you honestly think about it, I know you, you just said like, I think about that and it sounds crazy. But if you actually think about yourself in your life, Mm-hmm. The types of things that you're buying on a regular basis, are they necessity? The things that you're buying and upgrading, are they things that your life would not be able to move forward with the same amount of satisfaction if you did not have them? I think that most of the people listening to any podcast have the technology, the education, and the understanding that they're not in the place where they actually don't have a pair of shoes and they need to buy one. You know, like we all. Yeah have more than enough. So we just, it didn't seem that crazy because I had just gone through the mental exercise of, gosh, we just have so much and we have everything that we need. And so it felt actually like a relief to say, I'm going to put a stop to, like I've been running a race without a, without a finish line. I'm on a hamster wheel and there's no end in sight unless I choose the end. And so for a while, like I just said, let's press pause. I'm getting off the wheel the race has ended for now. Mm-hmm. Let's see how we do. And we approached it as an experiment, as a challenge, like not a, I mean, it wasn't like this so black or white. We didn't sign a contract with anyone. It was just like, let's see how it goes. And if we have some big like breakdown and we like need to go to Target and just like raid the decor aisle, then we can. But right. it turned out that we didn't need to. It turned out that enough, that we actually did have enough as soon as we decided that we, that we did. Yeah, I can't recommend this book more. More than enough. Enough. (laughs) Um, It really is great. Like I just yesterday, I'm packing to go to a conference and I'm thinking my my normal brain is to say, I need to go shopping. I need a new outfit. I need this. And because I've read your book and have been thinking about things, I thought, you know what? No, I don't. Like I have a closet full of clothes. I can figure something out. And you know what? I did. And it was so freeing because I didn't have the time to go shopping for one thing. And I was able to do other things and my suitcase is packed and I'm ready to go and it's great. So I really love that concept. I would love to know what are the lessons that you learned as a family? Like what did your kids learn during that year that you've taken with you in the years since and how has that changed your family? Yeah. So there, there are a lot, um, which is part of why I wrote a book about it because it's like a lot, lots of different lessons, lots of experiences and insights. I think that What's really interesting is that the experiment started so much as a physical material experiment. It started as like, let's not buy any stuff. But the lessons that we learned ended up being so far beyond the physical and material world. The lessons that we learned were that um, just as we have enough stuff in our in our house, in our closets, we are built of the stuff of enough. Like we are, we come to the earth whole. And filled with all of the intelligence and all of the energy and all of the goodness that we need in order to fulfill a very satisfying life. And we often, just like we do with material things, you know, you're packing for a conference and you want to go shopping. We often do that same thing with our physical, with our um, internal selves. We think I'm going to a conference and then we doubt ourselves. Do I have the confidence? Do I have the people's skills. I'm not great at talking to people or maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe people are going to see right through me and they're going to think that I'm, they're, they're going to know that I'm an imposter. All of those 
those feelings that we have about ourselves, not even about our stuff, but about ourselves. That's what we started to learn that, that beyond the material that we, our lives are filled with abundance of um, energy and of resources and of relationships. If we choose that they are like the only, the only difference between I need more and I have enough is the decision. We learned absolutely learned how to practice gratitude in like a transformative Mm -hmm. way. I think that I had, I mean, I I feel like I was taught gratitude from a young age. I understood what it meant to be thankful for something and to appreciate things and people. But I don't think that I had ever until this time learned how to have gratitude come inside and transform my heart to the point where I served as as a buffer to anything wrong that could happen because I was actually filled up by the things that were right and good. And I think that that is part of the optimism that people see um, is, I think, you know, there's a piece of being born with like a positivity gene, I'm sure, but there's also a piece of the practice, like the daily practice of recognizing the good instead of the bad and noticing in myself when I have something wrong happen that I can take myself through the steps of putting that aside as something that I can't control and I'm, and I'm not going to think too much about and relooping back onto things that I can control and that are brilliant in my life, that are wonderful in my life. And I would say patience is the other thing that we learned. And that's something I'm still working on all the time. But especially for our kids, we all live in like an immediate gratification world right now just because of mm-hmm. technology. That's the way things are. And our kids are growing up in a, in a time when they don't have to wait for a whole lot. And so where all of us, the whole family stepped into a place of, if there is something that we think we want, we are all going to wait until the next year. And there are a few times that my kids started saying like, can we, you know, they'd see a toy and say, can we have this next year? And just that they, it changed their frame of reference to like, I need this now. I'm going to have a tantrum in target if we don't get it now to like, I know that I'm not going to get it now. I feel like it could be cool. And I can look ahead to the day that maybe I could have it. That's just like a whole different way for our brains to think. And I felt like that was a really, really positive change. I love that. That will serve your children so well for the rest of their lives to not have that spirit of entitlement and to just be able to be content and to look for gratitude. I've heard you say before that like some things in your life might be falling apart, but there's always something in your life that's good. Yeah. And always find something to be grateful for. I love that. I want to shift gears a little bit and I'm talk a little bit more about spirituality. And I listened to one of your episodes about spirituality and motherhood. And one of the things that really struck me that you said was we, especially as in a culture in the church, we kind of just rely on everybody else for our spirituality. Our bishop's going to help us have our spirituality or our stake president, or we're going to go to the temple and just, it's just going to automatically be there. I really love kind of what you have talked about that we are responsible for our own spirituality and we cannot rely on someone else. So tell me what that looks like for you and kind of your thoughts about that. I love it. Yeah. So this is something that I think I recognize a lot with when we moved from Texas a few years ago to to Virginia. In Texas, I had served as a teacher. I was teaching gospel doctrine for three and a half years, which is a really intensive gospel Mm -hmm. uh, calling. And I absolutely loved it. I, every single week there was an excuse and indeed like a mandate for me to be diving in and making these connections and, and 
understanding things on a spiritual level and applying those things to my life. And then we moved and I requested to teach gospel doctrine and <laughs> I was I was not given that opportunity here. And I realized that I had been using my calling as my crutch to personal spiritual development and that like this was going to be sink or swim without it. Like, could I, and could I continue to develop my spirituality even without a reason to, even without a class to show up to without the external motivation of that? And it's a lot more difficult to take full responsibility for our spirituality, uh, but it also makes it a lot more personal. And so what that practice looks like for me right now, you know, there's a few different things. Um, one of them though, that I think is new and also it's is new ish. And it's also not as, as far as the church, I'm guessing most of your listeners are LDS. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as the church is concerned, it's not really like, it's not on our list of Sunday school answers. <laughs> if I could just right. use church, you yes, know, you can is, totally agree with um, that. is daily meditation. Mm-hmm. And I always loved the song search, ponder and pray when I was growing up. And I like we learned about reading the scriptures and searching the scriptures and we learned a lot about praying, but the ponder piece was something that I hadn't ever really, I mean, I I knew that ponder meant to kind of think about things, but I hadn't ever given it like a place in more recently giving more uh, space for meditation feels like a place that I'm able to be present and clear headed and allow my understanding of things that I'm learning both in the scriptures or from church or spiritual things that I'm learning from my life to connect together. And as a mom of three, also running a business and, you know, I have lots of hobbies and and friends and there's not a whole lot of quiet space in my normal routine unless I create it. And so this is not something that just naturally happens to have 15 minutes to sit quietly with my eyes closed and breathe deeply and just allow myself to be. It, I mean, even just saying that, describing what meditation is, like I feel like my heart rate slows down. And I like actually, it's a really beautiful place that I think creates the space necessary. Like that presence is something that, that we need as spiritual beings. And it allows us to connect to our inner selves, regardless of what's happening in our physical world. I've noticed as I've been developing more of a meditation practice that as I read the scriptures, what I notice are new, like the nuances of how the prophets and apostles also did that, that they would take time and that Christ himself took time to be a part. Like he would separate, he would teach and teach and teach and, and do good and serve and serve and serve. And then he would take time and go by himself away to be. And that's the piece, you know, we focus so much on the let's read and study and teach and, and serve and all of the busy, busy, busy. That's what we want to be doing because it feels like we're doing something. But I think equally important in my spiritual practice is the being the taking myself away or giving myself space and time to be. And in that space, I'm able to connect to, to God, to this, the source of all inspiration and power and joy and recognize that this, the world is but a moment and that my, my being 
existed before and will exist after. And then it helps me see that same divinity in the people that I am in contact with, you know, especially my family. And so I think that creating space for that quiet, not only quiet to read and quiet to pray, but quiet to just be has -hmm. been really helpful for me. I love that. Yeah. Meditation is something that I've discovered recently as well. And I really think, I think that a lot of times we have a lot of, it's easy to have a lot of checklists, like I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this result. And that is not how God works. And one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is that he's a personal God and I can come to him in a way that works for me, that may look totally different than someone else. So just because we're taught to pray in a certain way doesn't mean that it has to look the same for me as it looks for you. Right. And and these checklists and these things that we feel like we have to, the Sunday school answers, which are important. They're, those little things are good, but I don't think Heavenly Father cares so much about what we do, but He cares about what we become. Yes. And those things that we do are just a vehicle to totally. get us to where, like you said, we just need to be. We just need to be. And I really love that you're sharing that message that you can be responsible for your own spirituality and and you can be part of a church and you can fulfill things and serve and love and do all those things, but you can ultimately, it's up to you. Yeah. Um, I think that another thing that helped me sort of realize this, I come from a big family there. I have five siblings and my parents and of the six of us, you know, we were raised in the church and we, um, all, we did all the things we had family home evening and scripture study and all of the things. And my, most of my siblings have, have left the church. So there, my, my one sister and I continue to go to church and choose this faith as our mm-hmm. current spiritual journey. And I had one of my other sisters, um, tell me she and her family have left the church in the last few years. And she told me one day that as she's been kind of navigating this struggle of, you know, separating and finding a new identity and all of the things that go along with that, you know, there's some trauma and all of that. And she said, one thing that has been really positive is that we now feel like we are in control of our own spirituality, that we have to do it on our own because we don't have the crutch and the support of this organization telling us what to do and when to do it. And, um, you know, our kids aren't going to primary anymore. And so that responsibility is on us. And it was interesting that shortly after the church came out with the come follow me. And I was like, okay, yeah, like even our leaders are recognizing that. I thought as she was talking to me, I thought how interesting, because it is true that so many of us rely on the structure and organization in order Mm -hmm. to have that space for our spiritual development. But we, that is not the way that it's intended. It, we're not intended to only follow. We are intended to discover for ourselves what we need and to apply deeply to our own lives and to seek truth, not only at church on Sundays, but to seek truth in all of the things that we're doing. And I think it was a good sort of reminder for me that like, even though I am still going to church and I choose this faith and I have a testimony of the gospel, I still want my kids to be learning from me in our lives. I, I don't want them to only learn about church or only hear about gospel or spiritual topics on Sundays. I want it to be something that is part of our everyday life, both for me and for them. And I think that that, I, I think it's, it has to be intentional. I think that it's really easy to, to fall back on, Oh, we're yeah. getting ready for church again on Sunday and to not have that practice be a, an intentional part of our lives. 
Yeah, it really is easy to just have habits and things that we've always done. And, you know, this is how I was raised or, you know, whatever. So that's what I'm going to do. But I think, I think, you know, you have to, if you want to have a stronger connection with God, you get to a point where those things really aren't going to keep you satisfied spiritually. They're not going to feed your soul. Right. And so you find something else like meditation or whatever it may be that connects you to God in the way that you want to be connected to him, that it works for you. Totally. I totally love, love that you shared that. And this has been so great to talk to you and just be able to learn from you. And I love everything that you're sharing and putting out there. So I will link everything up in the show notes, how people can find you and find your book. But I do have one final question for you. And that is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? I love this question so much. I think that the most important feeling that I have regarding God supporting my motherhood is letting me know that I am just right as I am today for my kids and the things that they need. I think it's really easy to feel like, like we don't know what to do and that we don't know if we're doing it right. Or, you know, maybe we're not good enough or we're not patient enough or we're not smart enough or we're not fun enough and that our kids need something different. You know, that if we could only be better that they would be better and i think that i feel i feel deeply that who i am is on purpose and that god supports like like i i was created this way on purpose and can i continue to develop myself yeah absolutely just as my kids can but we it wasn't a mistake and i am i'm doing the best that i can and that is okay that's all that i need to do and also just as god supports me in my imperfection he will be that way for my kids and so i don't have to be the exact you know i don't have to be a perfect mom you know whatever that even is like whatever right. that looks like that who i am is more than enough for them because he's there to support their imperfection as well so it's not my job to make them a certain way my job is to get to know the divine beings that they already are and that we learn together. I fully believe that like I have a role as a mom and they have a role as children, but this is a partnership. I, I'm not the one who's supposed to be in charge all the time, teaching all the time. And we are learning from each other. This relationship is divinely appointed for us both, you know, all four or five of us to become the people that we are meant to be. And that is a day by day by day process. I love that message that we're equipped for what our kids need. We're not perfect. We don't have everything, but we can point them to God, to Heavenly Father, to the Savior, to have to give them what they need. Right. To be there. And hopefully when they leave our homes, they can know I have someone to always turn to, even if my mom's not there, even if my mom says something wrong or whatever. Right. And I really love the concept of te- learning from our children that we're in this relationship and it's not, I'm going to teach you everything and you're going to listen. But that if we take the time to slow down and we can really learn a lot from from our children. I know I have so much. Yeah. Great. Well, Miranda, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to to be here today. Yes. I loved it. It was great, great to chat with you and I appreciate the invite. Thank you. 
I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.